Hello and welcome to Why It Matters. This is a podcast for leaders who know that relevance is a moving target. I'm Michael Goff and I'm the Strategy Director at Spark Studio. This is a collection of interviews with leaders who are passionate about something that is being overlooked. Sometimes that will be a brand, a product or a service, but it can also be an idea, something that has lost its value for many. And to re-express relevance, you need someone with vision. Business Heritage tells you a lot about the values of your company. It tells you where you've come from. It tells you a lot about how you interact with some of your key stakeholders, with your employees, with your local community, with your consumers. All of these things come into that heritage. And that's something that, you know, creates a sense of the brand. It's actually a question of, you know, how your brand values perhaps arise and indeed what are those brand values you're communicating. In this episode, I'm chatting to Professor Jonathan Morris. Jonathan is the Director at the Heritage for Business Faculty at the University of Hertfordshire. We're talking about the role heritage plays in a business and how often businesses fail to recognise the value of their history. We discuss how it can help to shape a company's purpose in a changing market. And we also talk about the value heritage plays in recruitment and employee engagement. So I hope you enjoy the show. Have a listen to Why Heritage Matters. Jonathan, welcome to Why It Matters. Thank you very much. Pleased to be here. Just give us a bit of context. You know, where are you situated right now? What part of the world are you in? <laughs> right now, I'm in my study working from home. Uh, I actually live in Hertfordshire and uh, that's where I am. And just sort of in broad brushstrokes, what, what led you to set up the Heritage for Business unit at the University of Hertfordshire? Yeah, well, the University of Hertfordshire has long had a sort of a principle of being a business facing university. And we were asked, obviously, to translate that into our subject areas, humanities, which uh, is not an immediate fit. So the good and the bad was when we said, well, you know, how do you think we should do that? They said, we don't know, just do it. So in that way, we took our inspiration and we went out in various public ways. We created a thing called the Heritage Hub, which deals with heritage in all its aspects. So that deals with uh, community heritage. It helps uh, local groups. Uh, it deals with museums and so forth, the heritage sector. My contribution to that was to set up the Heritage for Business Unit. It came out of a sense that really business also has a heritage, that we wanted to get involved with business. Myself and the, the, the co-founder uh, set up an event where we invited businesses in just to talk about what one could do and so forth. And out of that came various projects, the first of which was actually a business-to-business video with a local company. And that really got us started. Very good. And and so in terms of the unit specifically, what are the kinds of projects that you typically get involved in? Well, what we try to do is to do what we would call bespoke project design. So rather than say, this is our set of products and that we can do them, we kind of talk with the business, understand a bit their needs, what they're interested in, what we think that we could do with them. So to give you some examples, as I said, that first one was a business to business video that's now embedded in that company's website used both as a kind of a calling card for new business but also as a training video for their own uh, new joiners to get a sense of the values of the company we've also done social media campaigns we've done museum design we do kind of workshops on sort of using heritage in your business 
And we recently did a sort of an oral history type project. So we can do, you know, these are all tools that we would use in our research and we find the most appropriate tool to deliver the kind of impact that the, the business is after. And what typically, how are you getting approached? What are the business, what are the kind of questions that the businesses are asking you as you start to think about your toolkit? Very usually what happens is actually they've come to an event or they've seen us on the website and they come and they're really quite open. Quite often they have an anniversary coming up. That's usually um, uh, often triggers people to look into their heritage. But it's uh, I think quite often, you know, the first thing that we had, the first uh, commission that we did was literally these guys came to the event and came up to us after and said, well, our mind was blown away. We didn't really even realize we had this. And now we understand what a heritage is. How can we use it? And we work from there as to what we could do. Interesting. It's interesting that there is such a kind of the appreciation for heritage is kind of under, undervalued. But I guess that's in a context as well, commercially, where you think a lot about a lot of startups, a lot of dis- disruption and challenges coming onto the scene and sort of challenging the incumbents. But it's interesting that actually there's a real opportunity to think about the role of heritage in business. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, your business's heritage, that is something that's unique to you. Somebody else can't go out and buy that. So that's something that you can, you know, you should and could use to mobilise to create added value for your company. So why does, in a general sense, why does business heritage matter? So I think business heritage matters for several reasons. I mean, first of all, your business heritage tells you a lot about the values of your company. It tells you where you've come from. It tells you a lot about how you interact with some of your key stakeholders, with your employees, with your local community, with your consumers. All of these things come into that heritage. And that's something that, you know, creates a sense of the brand. It's actually a question of, you know, how your brand values perhaps arise and indeed what are those brand values you're communicating. So mm. a heritage is, is a fantastic piece of a, of a calling card that really has your unique kind of business ID on it. And what led you to that belief? Where did where did you start to see that opportunity manifest itself and think actually there's something here that's being underutilised? Well, funnily enough, I'm a historian of uh, modern Italy. And in Italy, I think this is actually being done for longer and and rather more um, interestingly. And I suspect that partly has to do with the fact that Italy has a very large family, uh, family corporation sector, if you like, family business sector. But uh, the reason I came across this is I started by working on Italian commercial kind of retailers and so forth. And I discovered that one of the sources for that was the kind of publications that were being produced, not as commercial books, but by businesses as a kind of what we would now call an institutional monograph. And so I found those a really useful source. And uh, that was something that I really didn't see that much of in the UK. And so when we started thinking about heritage, that to me, that's an important part of, you know, what we could do with our heritage. To give an example, again, coming from that, if you think about a high street, Mm. You know, a high street is very much part of our community. It's part of our identity. Those places that we see on the high street become much more than just a business to to people in that community. So there's a heritage there that we can use. So to kind of wind that forward a bit, I now sit, there is a an organisation in Italy, which is called the, the kind of the Observatory of Institutional Monographs. But really, so it's about business history monographs, business history communications, business communications. And we see over 100 plus publications or other kinds of things entered into their annual competition for the best monographs. We see a fascinating one. The reason that it just sparked in my brain was one of the best ones I ever saw was about an ice cream shop. Oh, wow. 
right? But it's been in the family for, you know, 70 years or whatever. They had the pictures, they had the, they had the history. It was fascinating, you know, so you can produce these things and that suddenly gave you a real sense of the value of that. And, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, we'll see entries from huge banks or insurance companies or whatever, where they've really used their heritage to look into maybe the policies, the first policies that they issued or the kinds of buildings they were located in. So there's an awful lot that one can do with with one's heritage. I guess as part as an extension of that, the sort of founding story as well is obviously really critical, isn't it? And, you know, the founder, yeah. you know, he or she at the start who decides actually there's an opportunity here, whether that's a reaction to the status quo or there's just a gap in the market that those those stories must also be fascinating to help unveil what the heritage actually brings forward yeah very much so and indeed you know you you've pointed out the very different you know there are various different ways that that works there's the interesting story of the person themselves where did they come from why did they have that idea why did the light bulb go on you then place that in a context of you know why was there a market why was there an opportunity at that particular time and place uh, again as I say quite often place that into a community you know sort of uh, if you open a woolen mill you know you become the big employer in the town you create the town in a sense so there are all kinds of ways that those stories become important and I think you know to take that forward a bit when we talk about sort of values so one company that uh, I can say that we have worked with is the the John Lewis partnership Obviously, John Lewis has very, very well-known values. It operates on a on a, a very particular sort of set of values, and they, in fact, have a heritage centre where they've conserved a lot of their materials. And we've done some great work with them. But I've also seen some great projects that they've done, where, for example, they got their employees were sort of asked to make little videos, and they made videos of themselves reading out, you know, the original bits of the Constitution from John Speed and Lewis or whatever. And those are fantastic for the employees as well. They learn something about the business. They learn why that values, why John Lewis is different. I think that's, a, you know, that's that's incredibly powerful. We often find in the branding world that we're very used to the idea of brands speaking to the external audience and to clients and customers. But actually, there's a really important role that brands play in, in galvanizing the employees and thinking about the kind of what's what's holding the business together and, and how the employee sees their role within that kind of greater purpose. And, and heritage must be really important at that point. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's vital. And heritage and using heritage that way obviously creates a sense of belonging. And those people will then transmit those brand values externally. So in a sense, it's a way of getting your communicators something to communicate when they then go to an external audience. If, you know, somebody comes up to someone in John Lewis and can actually, that person can tell them a bit about the brand values, then that's obviously a big win. And that was the same, you know, a lot of the work I do is with coffee companies, for example, or coffee repair companies. Again, if they can tell you a little bit about their company and why it's important or why it's different, that's a great, you know, unique bridging point. And it's a great selling point externally because of course you believe that person and you see their belief in their own company that obviously transmits to a potential uh, user of that company that brand and i guess you know you mentioned there an earlier an example of a, a business that saw you at an event and then came up to you and sort of had no appreciation for the role that heritage could could play in their in their communications in their marketing why is that why why are businesses underestimating the value of their company history i think the thing that businesses tend to do is i mean obviously they're very focused on the present and that's understandable everyone needs to uh, you know to be focused on the on the present and and making sure they stay sustainable there is a big problem i think with businesses not understanding the value of 
their past and the kind of things that give them access to their past. So you'll often go in and you'll see that what people have is, you know, maybe they've got a box into which they've thrown a few things over the year or whatever. Then when, you know, there's a, they need to move offices or they need to move factories, whatever doesn't need to go, that gets thrown in the skip. Or if there's a, you know, so there's a real problem, I think, in the sense of not understanding the value that's in those boxes and the way that it can be used. And it is something that we have, uh, you know, as a, if you like, as a society, as a collective, have perhaps not fully understood the value of Mm. those stories. Uh, But, you know, we're now in this digital world where storytelling in all the different formats that we have for it is really a vital way of communicating. And those are the, you know, those are the base materials for your stories. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about the trend that there's been over the last sort of five plus years around brand purpose and business purpose and, and thinking about, you know, how you express the difference that you make in your market or in the world. Sometimes it gets quite lofty, doesn't it? You know, those, that heritage, those, that what has gone before gives a real underpinning and a real foundation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, one doesn't want to enter into the controversy, but I mean, I know there's a, you know, there's a shareholder revolt at the moment, isn't there, in some, uh, about, you know, what, why are we trying to have purpose in our in our mayonnaise or whatever? But actually, you do need, you know, you can transmit that through your heritage fairly easily. Did you go and buy the best ingredients? Have you always been known for using local or whatever? You know, suddenly we are putting putting values into that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's a way through that. And I think, you know, that controversy is really about the tipping point between the believability of, of that purpose in terms of affecting change. And actually, sometimes we do get a little bit lofty. We do get a little bit grandiose and we lose we lose sight of actually the reality of what the product is. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. I think one of the other advantages of heritage in that sense is heritage is authenticity. You know, that's what it delivers. And we know that authenticity is one of the, you know, it's kind of like one of Nirvana world's words of the moment, isn't it, in brand? So, again, I think heritage has a a big role, therefore, to play in sort of in grounding again and in demonstrating how you're grounded. And thinking about the fact that a lot of businesses are in the present and thinking about their growth opportunities and uh, and market share and, and profitability, what role can heritage have in supporting a business strategy and the growth of the business? Well, I think we go back to this this question of transmission of what a business is and what it's about. Uh, so a business in the in the growth sector is really looking, it seems to me, to expand its audience by expanding its, its message to recruit new audiences, consumers, whatever. Heritage is a very good way of transmitting quickly what that business has been about. Sometimes you can use that message to, you know, as a message of change. You know, we've been doing this, now we're going to be doing that. This is why. Here's the here's here's the growth, or you know, here's where we come from. Here's where we're going. You know, those kinds of messages are always very useful. And there's a there's a famous book in the heritage sector which goes something like, you know, tell me your future and I'll give you your past. Uh, it's not really the the best way of putting it, but what the what the principle of this is is okay. You've set out a future vision. Now let's look at your past and see what are the pathways that you got to that future vision. What are the ways that so you know there's a way of using your heritage to lever that. And who do you think is using their heritage well at the moment? You've mentioned there John Lewis and the and the impact it's having on employees. But are there other examples within your experience of 
companies doing it well? I think there are some great examples of how to use heritage in different ways. So one that I think is an absolute standout is Guinness, Mm -hmm. for example. I mean, Guinness are very aware of their heritage. I don't know if you've ever had the chance, Michael, to go to Dublin. There's uh, Guinness have that site at Dublin where the original brewery site, they've got a museum there. But it's not just it's not a boring museum. It's a fantastic, immersive experience. Uh, You know, I spent time there doing crazy things like, you know, watching films of people making 1950s barrels, but other people are looking at high-tech brewing. Uh, You're getting a chance to sample the project. There's all kinds of of things going on there. Uh, You could look at the advertising, whatever. And it's a great way of, again, stressing the connection with Dublin, with stretching the, the, you know, with sort of uh, reinforcing the origin stories of Guinness at Mm. the same time as welcoming in consumers from all over the world basically so Guinness is is one good example for me and who perhaps isn't doing it so well I suppose of thinking back to that kind of example of inauthenticity when when actually the the heritage is perhaps not not working as powerfully as it could who's who do you think is missing a bit of a trick when it comes to its heritage well it's a difficult uh one to say because I think there are there are there are problems here but if you think about some of those uh, similar experiences to the Guinness that are really more fantasy than fact. Okay, so I mean, if we think about Cadbury, for example, so Cadbury obviously was uh, taken over, we know, and Cadbury has an amazing heritage. It had fantastic values, it, it's very different, it had great sense of place, it had a lot of things that really made it outstanding, almost made it a kind of heritage brand. I don't think that's being used well now. Indeed, I think the problem with that is that they've been so unprepared to touch that heritage that actually they've only further indicated their, the, the current management, their distance from it, the current ownership. Is it a Quaker family that started off and there was a huge kind of philanthropic yes. sustainability approach to it in the kind of late 19th century, wasn't there? And also, and, and Fry chocolate was around at the same time, Elizabeth Fry and uh, obviously... Chocolate is a fascinating area because all the big companies were Quaker companies. So Fry's, Cadbury and um, Roundtree, all had Quaker roots, all had very interesting, you know, very specific heritage. It's all very located in their in their specific places, Fry in Bristol, Cadbury, Bourneville, and then Roundtree up in York. And really, you know, the, those heritages have been treated in different ways. Roundtree, I think, is probably better at preserving and using heritage for what it does. But as I say, Cadbury's, I think, has got a real problem with the, with the current, under the current ownership. And so if someone, a brand manager or a, a kind of business leader is is wanting to think about what role the heritage could play as they think about their brand and their positioning, what, what steps could they go on or what, what process should they start to think about how what the enduring value of that, that relevance of that heritage is for their current market? I think that's a, a, a really good question. And obviously that depends uh, upon the brand and the values that they want to, to espouse. In practical terms, I think they need to understand what that heritage was and where we might try and look for it. And I would advise them to, you know, to contact your local university or contact your local set of historians because they are able to provide some help with that. You know, that that's our skill set. What I would be advising them to do is also think about what is the message you would like to get over what is it that you want to communicate so you know as we said it could be that you want to communicate a change in your business and you want to use your heritage to show that 
It could be that you want to communicate something about that uh, while other people are coming into the market, you've been in this market for a long time, you know what you're doing, you've got authority. So uh, one thing one can see there is the sort of, you know, we were the first to produce this or we did that or whatever, you know, why, why do we go back in time? So that, oh, you could contribute something about, we were talking about the sort of the purpose or the values within a project, you know, sort of where have you sustainably sought, you know, how have you sourced where you get your material mm. from for your, uh, for your product or whatever. And we can talk about that and place that over time. If someone then starts to peel back and look back at their heritage and they start to uncover sort of stuff that for modern ears would be a bit more controversial, I suppose I'm thinking about the sort of history of slave trade that has kind of reared its head quite rightly in, in recent years uh, around different businesses. What can be done when there's a controversial heritage? Well, I think the first thing that, that can be done there is to acknowledge it, because that way, you know, you're, you're being straight about your heritage and you can then use that to position yourself almost against your own heritage in the sense of saying, yeah, we came from, you know, a slave trading uh, environment. We clearly dissociate ourselves from that. We've done this, this and this while maintaining the connections that we've had. So in the context of the kind of plantation economy, what are you now doing at the same time as saying what your heritage was? You can say what your relationship now is to uh, your sources, for example. So, I mean, I obviously see that in the coffee business, for example, uh, and that's a, you know, that's a much more grown up way of approaching it. And one that, again, I think is what is understood. So you by using that to explain your your position about your past, almost that you understand your past, that you're prepared to investigate it. But at the same time, you're you're making, you, you know, you've made your own changes and created your own values in what we might call a kind of, you know, in a dialogue with the past that there are things in the past you don't want to do. I think is, is is better than saying nothing, which leaves you open to the charge of a kind of guilt by association. What's exciting at the moment in the in the projects that you're involved in? What kind of things are you up to? Wow, that's a good question. So quite a lot of what I do at the moment is under NDA, so that, that puts it a little bit more difficult. <laughs> Let me tell you some exciting things that I'm doing myself. So, I mean, I do a lot of podcasting like yourself. I've just done a podcast on the history of coffee i'm about to do another one we can do that where we obviously talk about the heritage of companies i'm interested in the way that one of the things that has become more popular recently is kind of recreating heritage versions of products so again something i did recently actually which is quite fun was just making coffee the old-fashioned way as it were, in various ways. So roasting it in various old machinery, looking at different kind of blends, etc., and using that as a possibility. So I worked with a local coffee roaster that I know quite well. We took this program down to the London Coffee Festival, where we'd say, you know, here is a taste of coffee as it would have tasted somewhat like this in the 1770s or in the 1870s. And we showed off he's got he's got quite a collection of old roasting material. And he obviously has access to the beans. I could give him sort of suggestions on what should be in the blend and I can contextualize that. And that creates a great little public engagement piece, you know, which will bring people, I'm sure, back to him, you know, as a bottom line, as having demonstrated both his authority and, you know, here's the company kilt still going, etc. Interesting. And how differently does coffee taste from 200 years, 300 years ago? It can taste quite different, let me tell you. I mean, partly for, for very simple things like we've changed where the beans come from. 
and partly because of the you know we were desperately trying to sort of use these old roasters where you're stirring it round in a frying pan or whatever this is a you know this is very different from having a machine where you push the button and 60 tons of coffee gets roasted so it was a great experience really enjoyed it If our listeners wanted to sort of start a kind of inquiry about the way heritage could be of value to businesses, where would they look? What would what resources would you recommend? I would probably recommend starting with a bit of a Google search, a web search, find out a bit about, you know, well, I mean, I should say, obviously, come and talk to us would yeah. be the first thing I'd say. Or come and look at our website. So we have a, a website up, which is called Heritage for Business. And if you kind of Google Heritage for Business, you'll find us. And if you go on the University of Hertfordshire, heritage hub you'll find us we talk a bit there about the different ways that we can you know we can interact with businesses and there are you know i should say there are other universities out there (laughs) (laughs) absolutely very good finally we have this sort of worth a look section that we'd like to end our podcast with so is there anything that you've watched or read or listened to recently you think our listeners should should check out that is worth a look yeah so i could go on forever on this one i'm afraid but uh i'm going to i'm going to not go so brand conscious but i'll tell you what i found really interesting recently i went to the there's an exhibition on at tate britain at the moment in london Uh, it's called hogarth and europe now hogarth was an artist who kind of very much depicted the world in all its what would we say in all its starkness so he made sort of pictures of london life and so forth and they've also got some european artists doing similar things this is from really the 18th century Mm -hmm. and what i found fascinating about it is the number of if you like commercial products or new banks and beverages obviously my interest that were being that you know were coming into these paintings and are having clear significance you know the the use of tea the use of coffee the use of chocolate they also have in that exhibition the ceramics which showed you the kind of the trade routes these things were coming through and so forth so i really recommend that as as a as a really interesting eye into the past and again something that people might think of as a way well you know that's it's interesting how they did that, how they've displayed it, because you see lots of maps of old areas, industrial areas and so forth, and how were they integrated into the city. So I think there's a lot there that sort of I found very, very stimulating, and I think most people would. Fantastic. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciated your willingness to come on Why It Matters. It's been lovely to have you. Uh, it's been great. Thank you very much for inviting me, Michael. You've been listening to Why It Matters. Why It Matters has been put together by Spark Studio, the brand and design agency based in London. To find out more about us, visit our website at sparks-studio.com. Join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at hashtag whyitmatterspod or get in touch with me at whyitmatters at sparks-studio.com. Thanks for listening.